All right, we have the pleasure of being graced with the presence of one of my really, really good friends, Dennis from Banff Breakers. I probably should have let you say your own name, but we're going to do the introduction real quick. Banff, I'm going to need your name, your favorite team, your favorite player, past or present, and what your favorite game of a three-game series is. The opening game, the middle game, or the getaway day. Hmm. All right, what's up, guys? I'm Dennis, a.k.a. Banff. Uh, my favorite team for baseball specifically, diehard Cardinal fan. Favorite player all time for the Cardinals, Albert Pujols. Current favorite player is probably still Giancarlo Stanton, man. I, I've always wished that he was a Cardinal. I keep he won him to somehow make it over there. But my favorite Cardinal is currently is uh, um, Nolan Arenado. And uh, favorite day, favorite game of the series, first one, man. Start off right, game one. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to Getaway Day. As always, I am Mason. On the far side is Gautham. And in the middle, you just heard from him, is Banff. So uh, today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, So this episode obviously comes out on Monday, as our main topics always do. However, we're recording it on the official release day of 2024 Top Series 1. So we are... Celebrating the baseball card new year, the baseball new year, pitchers and catchers report, and we wanted to talk with an expert about the hobby. So, Banff, you're going to have to like do your best Randall Park and pretend to be an expert, even though you're... Brother, I thought you were about to introduce another expert. He was about to pop in. That would have been cool. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I actually have Kiwi on the other line. Exactly. He pops in. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me get in here. But yeah, so um, we kind of just want to talk all things uh, yeah. cards. I mean, you're you're a breaker first and foremost. So for those of you guys that don't know, Banff is the first partnered Twitch breaker. That's crazy, man! I can't believe that. Yeah, how long have you been partnered on Twitch? Uh, partnered on Twitch. Ugh. So I would have to say close to six years now. Is that it? Because I know that like I got my sub a couple so like if there's like 70 so i think yeah it's close to like six years probably and then there's, we've been we've been streaming since 2016 so we're going we're, yeah, we're about to start year nine now so yeah and so it, it took me a while to get uh get actually partnered but man we, i think we were affiliated as soon as we could get it and then after that it was just fun times from here on out man Wow, so 2016. So it's been quite a number of years now. So I guess can you take us back to the beginning and and what those days were like and <laughs> Man. where you got your start, I guess. So in 2016, I like basically I was watching um a ton of like I was recently get back into uh Madden and so in like 2K and I was watching all the card collecting uh parts of the game and then I was watching these pack opening videos and YouTube algorithm like shows you other pack openings and i saw like companies just opening packs of cards and i i've collected since like 92 but whenever i went to college took some time off didn't really do it as much anymore and then i started watching all these uh videos and then i realized that they were like 
group breaking. I didn't know what that was, so I kept doing more research, watching podcast, you know, watching um uh streams of it and everything, watching videos. And then I was look, looking at my buddy, I showed him, I was like, man, we could probably do this, right? Like, this is easy, you know, <laughs> just like everybody thinks it is, right? And so um luckily I'd uh known a guy who ran a local card shop since 99 and so like i went to him i was like what do you think about this is it plausible um how can i get started and he was willing to help he he would he would front me product and i just started with like a couple of boxes i remember my, my, my very first group break that i ever did was like for a couple of guys and like some like 2013 2014 hoops like if you go back on my youtube there's like literally the very first one that we broke on stream and it was just a couple of guys splitting a box and after that we just kind of like it went from there we started with like two three box mixers and it, it like like literally like if you go back now like it's the quote-unquote good old days because we get to see all the great products that we opened back then that are so expensive now and so and like how how the hobby has changed from us doing uh so many boxes in a break to like imagine like now the amount of we have to pay for these products we could have done like 40 box breaks back then it'd been crazy but yeah it's been fun though man yeah. And just I've only been really in your community for the last three years, I think now. Yeah. And just even in the course of that three years, it seems like it's changed pretty significantly. Um, but like you guys have kind of done things a little different than I think a lot of breakers do, because a lot of breakers will go get a case of one product and then they'll sell spots in it and then they'll open like a half case or whatever. And you get a team, you get random, whatever mm. you guys do um, your PWTs or which is pick which team. Yeah. Um, but you always structure yours to where you're hitting a bunch of different products, which yeah. was that something, wh what was kind of the inspiration between doing it that way, as opposed to doing like a half case break of cosmic and then. So like originally, um, they were just like, I mean, it was called group breaking, but what I was watching was people doing case breaks. And so it was just like, oh, here's the case of this new product. Boom. And like they would just like streamline it because they're so busy. Like, you know, like the big the uh, big breakers, they get so busy and they're just like focused on open this case, get it out, open this case, get it out. And like they figured this is the best way to do it every time. And so I knew that starting out, there's no way I could just be like, hey, guys here's a $2,000 case. Let's break it up. Like, like starting out early, you're not going to be able to get that much pub and that much um, attention or people willing to trust you to break expensive products. So we started out doing like two or three box mixers. And then, so as that got more popular, um, we decided to be like, we could probably put 14, 15 boxes together and see if people want to like split it up by team. And then, so that kind of like pushed us into the whole PYT thing. So and then we like, since we did mixers for so many years, we like wanted to keep that same concept and push it into uh, the uh, PYT, the pick your team uh, format of breaking instead of just doing like we would always do uh, three random teams. That's originally the way we did it. We literally gave anybody three random teams because it was so cheap. You were paying 36 bucks to get three random teams back in the day. Like I know that blows your mind now considering what we do now, but um, I was gonna say I I think the last time I paid thirty six in in a break was for a filler spot that I didn't end up hitting. And then <laughs> when when we first did PYTs for baseball, like we thought we were really pushing the limit 
they're like, man, the Yankees are 65 bucks, man. This is going to be, we're really going to have to convince these people to get, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's kind of the way that we felt. And so whenever uh, we did mixers so much, we're like, how about we can keep this mixer concept and then just like price teams accordingly based upon what products that we had. And so like a lot of people like that, and it makes, you know, the variety of teams more valuable. Like if you have broken, like, so imagine breaking 24 series one, right? If you go, if you go look right now, the same team, like for example, like the Cubs, they're going to be like twenty bucks, and they're going to be twenty bucks in every case you buy. And so, like, you're you're only expected to get like at best like PCA rookie one of one, right? Like, that's your top. That's all you're shooting for. But doing like fourteen different boxes, you could have like a chance at this guy's rookie year, a chance at this guy's rookie year, a chance at this guy. You know what I'm saying? So that's why we expanded it out to make every team a tad more valuable. So that no one felt like they were getting the shaft by just buying a team. Be like, I'm just buying it just so everybody can, you know, get their cards type of thing. So that was kind of yeah. like the main focus. Make that makes a ton of way. sense. Like, I, I like the idea of getting some variety. You know, you're not just you're getting the same stuff if you got one one yeah. case of something. And you, and you you can always ask, like, the people that I've always, like, would um, confide in and ask like what do you think is good what do you think is good like my main thing is like, i don't ever want anybody to feel like they left the break and they didn't get anything so like i always look at how many quote-unquote people are losing out when they get into a break with me and like that bothers me the absolute most <laughs> like i always want people to feel like that either either they had a good chance or you know they got their money's worth you know that so that's my main focus yeah and uh, like it's it's really cool, especially in your breaks to see because like people will come in and when we're trying to finish up filling a break, uh, you do fillers, which is basically you get or you pay a, a portion of the price of that team and you have a shot to get one of the remaining teams. Now, it's not it's usually 50 50 on whether you're going to get a spot or not. Um, but and then at that point, it's a draft of just whoever was highest on the random you go all the way down, but how often those filler teams will, will get hits. And then um, you'll end up with, I think there was a, if I remember right, there was one filler that someone got the blue Jays and then the blue Jays pulled a Matt Chapman in the name relic. One of one. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. The giant yeah. pass that had the thing. And then literally yeah. last night, talk about the Jays, just like last night. Um, I remember we pulled a, a George Springer to 10, for the Blue Jays, literally last night off of a filler. So, like, I mean, probably the dude probably paid like eighteen or twenty bucks from the mini to get in, and then end up turning into like you know a guy like that. I mean, it's it's possible. Like I said, there's there's always going to be some sneaky crazy hits for these smaller teams, even though it's like a such harder chance to get those hits for the smaller teams, you know. But I mean, happens. It happens. We love it. Yeah, and it's it's helped you develop a pretty. Uh, rabid uh fan base community i mean a lot of them are here while we're just talking right now and it's the same people every single night and it's so cool you guys go live three times a week and it's always the same people and then there's always new folks coming in but you've got the ones who have been there for 80 months now and and it's it's definitely a testament to how you guys are going about the uh the whole breaking industry i appreciate it man. So, that's awesome yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it's like 
if it wasn't for like to be honest with you like if it wasn't for the madden community starting out like they really put their support behind me like there's a lot of streamers that would put my name out and then like eventually they just kept spreading and then the mlb community picked it up so and then like they've always they supported me like crazy like there's so many people that i'm still friends with 80 90 months later because they just caught my stream one time and then shouted me out and then people were like oh i found you from this guy and, like some of these people don't even stream anymore you know what I'm saying? Like, there's like huge streamers that don't even stream anymore that met me from there that are still part of our community today. So like, I feel like that I'm still carrying along some kind of legacy that was set forth by some some other streamers. So I'm keeping them on Twitch, keeping them in the community, keeping them active. So like, I don't know, like passing the torch on to me is you know, kind of what I hope to do to other people who are trying to get into this and make it. You know? Absolutely. Now I kind of want to shift a little bit here from uh kind of your break specifically into kind of the breaking uh industry as a whole in the card industry as a whole so you've been doing this now since 2016 you said right yep. mm-hmm. so what like i i know just the card industry has changed drastically since then i mean you've seen um throughout covid it kind of took off People started really getting back into it. The production rates started going back up. Some people would argue quality for some products has gone down. But like, what what is like the the main thing that you've noticed has changed um, in the last ten years that or about ten years you've been doing this? I think the main thing I've noticed is the amount of people that get into it expecting to get rich quick, whether they want to try to do the breaking thing or whether they want to try to just get in and hit the biggest car possible. Like whenever I first started out, I felt like it was more us just sharing our passion for collecting. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, hoping that everybody got their favorite team and, you know, um, but now I feel like that after that COVID boom, it just, <clears throat> yeah, it did make everybody feel more nostalgic because they were at home looking at their cards and they wanted to get back into collecting those. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we got those guys back. But like the day trader collector, you know, like that right there, I think has affected the community, you know, the hobby the most. And is what you said brought kind of that, that, you know, like those quality issues in because you have companies that are trying to meet those expectations of these day trader type collectors and they're forgetting who really got them there. You know what I'm saying? Like after this whole day trade boom thing goes away, the real collectors are still going to be waiting there. You know what I'm saying? Hoping that you come back and make quality products. And we are starting to see some of that stuff come back. But, yeah, for a while, it was just getting kind of iffy, man. Like, we didn't know if, like, you know, how things were going to go. And now that Fanatics is doing this whole, you know, massive takeover, you know, we're still kind of weary about where that's going to take us. But, yeah, still going to be here for the ride, you know? Yeah. And, like, with that, I've noticed that, like, Panini, who's losing a lot of the – or not a lot, losing – most of the licenses that they have here in the next two years, um, losing NBA after this season, NFL after the next season, like they're now starting to pump as many, uh, I guess, gotcha cards into their product as possible. There's an, uh, I can't remember which product it was, but there's a Panini product that has 66 different numbered parallels in the, in the checklist. 66. Yeah. Like for those of you that don't know, I'm working. It's kind of back there in, on the wall uh, on a what they call a rainbow, um, which is trying to get every numbered parallel 
of a certain card. That's the Nolan Arenado 2022 Tops Finest. There are, uh, I want to say it's 22 different cards in the in the rainbow, mm-hmm. and that's a lot. Yeah, there's 66 in this one because they're trying, especially the companies that are starting to lose out. They want to bank a lot of money now, it, it seems. But yeah, so like back when we like when we were doing it, like we 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 recently opened up some old 2013 Panini stuff, and literally their colors are silver, gold, I think green, and then vinyl, and that's it. Like like to pull a refractor back then was super hard, even back then in the 90s. So then, whenever um we first got into it, the main thing was the autograph chase. And so me, I was kind of like, well, I don't really, I mean, I like the autographs, but whenever I was collecting, like I started collecting uh, Mike Evans for the Bucks in 2014, 2015. And I would try to get, you know, his rainbow for Prism and for Topps Chrome and all that stuff. And I only wanted his non-auto stuff. And I was like, man, it'd be cool if like people got more into this. Well, I got what I asked for, man. (laughs) Like everybody's into color. Everybody's into inserts now. Like that's what's driving you know, especially whenever people don't, when they sign exclusive autograph contracts elsewhere, like they don't have anything else but to, you know, bank on a CJ Stroud color. You know what I'm saying? Like they can't get his autograph. So they're hoping to pull, you know, the lowest number card of him and, and, or like some kind of rare insert. And that's cool. But then those things get so, like you said, so um, astronomically crazy that somebody puts 67 different colors because they got to split up with Hobby and then Hobby Light, then Retail, Jumbo, Mega. Like they have 80 different forms of the product and it's getting, you know, a little bit crazy. It's getting hard for people to know what to collect. You know, like when people come in our, our, our streaming, like, hey, how do I start off? And I'm like, brother, do you have an hour? <laughs> do you have, <laughs> we have diagrams to break down and show you where to go. We can't just go, go buy this product. It's not that easy anymore, you know? Yeah. yeah and it's I, like- I think one of the, that was actually going to be my number one question for you. Like, and you kind of answered it right there. My question was going to be, what are your thoughts on the manufactured scarcity? And you've definitely answered that there. Um, but I guess, where do you see that going in, in the near future? Is that something that's just going to continue to be the way it's now become? Or is it, are things going to change? Well, I mean, I think things are always going to find a way to change. Like, I'm pretty sure Fanatics has something. Like, Fanatics, like, if they're going to take over everything, like, they have so much autonomy to, like, use their memorabilia in their products. Like, they're going to, you know, I've already seen them offer, you know, redemptions for memorabilia that they currently manufacture, right? And so I can see stuff like that happening. Um, I've seen uh, companies. <laughs> there was one. I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever opened it, uh, Mason, but we did uh, a product that offered uh, redemptions of PSA rookie cards of certain players. And one time we pulled an Ozzy Smith redemption for his PSA rookie. Now, I think the person who redeemed it, it was only like a seven or an eight that they got but still i mean the fact that they like they have those on hand ready to ship out and they're like hey you get this and boom we give you a psa card because they can't put that in a pack this size you know what i'm saying it's so obvious right so redemption cards i feel like if they can go that route and make that more exciting and then also guarantee tops just did their first lifetime guarantee for a redemption with the white glove redemptions like those never expire if you hit that in 2055 you're going to get that one-on-one volpe right but um but expiration is where i hope that they change things having a one year 
Like if I pull a card in 2022, it expires in 2024. That's terrible. Like I want to be able to open these things 10 years from now. Like we open up upper deck products and people get so excited, but then we pull like a Dan Marino, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, triple auto that expired in 2008. And there's no way we can get it. Yeah. Well, and, um, Oh shoot. I completely forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I hope that answered your question, oh, Gotham. Like yeah, that's where I absolutely. see the things going. Is like I I feel like that they could take like instead of just going crazy autos, crazy inserts, like do something with redemptions. Don't make them expired and make them fun. So that was actually what I was um, about to say. Is I was going through uh, eBay today, just looking at Nolan Arenado cards because I'm it's also my favorite player, uh, and I'm starting to amass a pretty pretty hefty Arenado collection. Um, yeah, but uh, the uh, the triple threat stuff, man, going to get his triple threat stuff is fun. Yes, bro. Yeah, that's bro. the one of three 2020 triple threads. Best thing um, about Arenado is his last team. Like their color scheme is so collectible when it comes to patches. So, yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's fun as shit. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, I was on eBay and I was just looking at some of his stuff. And there's 2022 unused redemptions on eBay. It's like you got like three months to use some of those, or they expire. It's like those yeah. people better be getting those things in now, taking them off of eBay, or you just wasted a pretty valuable card that someone would definitely want to collect if it was priced right. right. Yeah, and then so. there's like no, and there's like no guarantee. Like even if you do buy it off the eBay, and then like you get it in before it expires, some of these companies don't have guarantees. Like they have backup plans, but they have like their backup plans aren't good. We were just talking about it the other day. Like you turn in. A redemption it's about to expire panini goes hey we don't have it we're gonna give you points but if you talk to them personally like through like email you can probably talk them into giving you a better replacement um for like the super high and stuff they used to have these things they probably still do but they're called white block white box or black box um redemptions so when they mm-hmm. whenever you don't have like say you turn in like a one of one aeronaut redemption right but they don't have the card he never signed it. So they're like, okay, we're going to give you this black box or white box one-on-one. And the cards in there are labeled one-on-one. They're Panini stamped. They're autographed. They're crazy stuff. Like, I wish they would do more of those things if they can't get the product. Don't just, like, cop out and give so undervalued. Like, undervaluing the collector is terrible right now. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I, I guess changing gears a, a little bit more here but and going back to something that we were talking about just a, a little bit ago so um uh, something mlb has definitely been trying to do and especially with bringing in fanatics here is they're now starting to try and focus on promoting specific players mm-hmm. um I, I mean they they've been doing that especially with cards they've been doing it for years like marketing uh, the anthony volpe um MLB debut patch, white glove redemption, and trying to make a big deal out of that so that people go and try and chase that card. Yeah. But are are you seeing um, people come into the hobby that are actual collectors, not people that are day trade um, day trade card collectors, and they're no longer looking for just a team; they're trying to find just specific players. Is that something that you've kind of noticed with the whole change from MLB side? Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially with, like with, with like social media and TikTok and stuff like that, it's like so easy for people to get access to like specific players now. Like, I mean, if you're following the MLB 
or like or the NBA or something like that. Not only will the NBA promote their stuff, but then you'll see them just like take a, a person's social media feed and put it on their feed to like show the day of Giannis or show the day of Mike Trout or what did he do? You know, and so people see the things of these younger players like we got guys who probably have never even touched a red card coming in and be like, I want Ellie De La Cruz. You know what I'm saying? What is Ellie De La Cruz in? Like, and then they'll just, they'll just wait till we have products that he's in and then they'll go after the reds, you know? And so the more and more that is happening is because um, I think that uh, the fans have called for it. They used to talk crap on the MLB for not promoting their players. Like no one knew who Mike Trout was. They heard of Mike Trout and how good he was, but have you ever heard him speak? You know, what kind of personality does he have? You know, like, and until like recently, we've seen like that from YouTube and social media. So I think they're doing a good job of promoting now and, you know, you know, matching up the face with the player and what they can do. And, and it's helping a lot with the collectors. I mean, sometimes you don't have guys that come in like only collect Cowboys or only collect Yankees. Easy. <laughs> but like, but like they'll come in, they'll have their, you know, their primary, you know, uh, team that they mess with and then they'll, you know, branch off and collect new kids and hopefully, you know, like, like one of these new prospects and follow them up. You know, I mean, imagine if I remember seeing like these young prospects that like Tatis and Eloy Jimenez and stuff like that when we first started getting into stuff and they were so skinny and like people were like, oh, whatever, and push them off. And then later on, they become superstars, you know? Yeah, I just saw the uh, uh, first Bowman auto of Juan Soto on um, on Twitter this morning. And just he looked so ridiculously small. He was in Little League, apparently. <laughs> Once it had to have been 14 years old when he took that picture. It's so wild looking at their old prospect pictures, man. They're so yeah. skinny because they haven't been through this major league, you know, uh, um, factory of, like, getting better, getting, you know, more trained and, like, toned and stuff like that. And they grow into their bodies, you know. It's so wild to compare it, man. I think we're seeing now just uh, all these young guys coming through and – We've seen those really recent examples of superstars, like basically from day one. So I guess like I'll ask a specific question about uh, like, if do you have a sense of who those players that people are looking for right now are? So I mean, names? like, thankfully my community is like, they're great. Like they will make sure that I know who those people are. I mean, naturally, like sometimes I, I mean, of course I do my own research to figure it out. But like sometimes we get products and we're opening and we literally have no clue who to go for because it seems like that they are putting these players in 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 products so early. Like Leaf has a thing called Perfect Game they used to do. And it's literally like this whole entire tournament that that uh they put on and I think it's like 12 to 16 year olds. It's just like and, Wait, is, and is, it, all their is it partnered with Perfect Game USA? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so they'll have like 25 autos per product, you know, and like um, they used to do Leaf used to get um, all these autographs from the um, the Army All-American games and and stuff like that. So you have all these young kids that are that have their autos and products. Some of those kids are going to be accountants and, you know, graduate with, you know, and never be in sports ever again. But you will every now and then get those those studs that have had these. Um, autos and products since they were that young, you know? And so I think it's going to be harder and harder to find who to latch onto because I mean, we can latch onto a guy like early, early on, like 
Um, I remember um, going into my card shop and there was a box of 23 Bowman draft and it sat on the table. This is back whenever um, my LCS would put out boxes on his table and not in the glass that were probably under 200 bucks. So this Bowman draft was like probably like 120 bucks and it sat there and sat there and sat there for years. I'm talking, this is like 2018, this 2013 Bowman draft box is still sitting there. Some guy came in, took it home, yada, yada. And as soon as he got home, sent a picture of 2013 first Bowman auto of Aaron judge. And we're just sitting there. And this was like, we're like, Holy crap. <laughs> this thing has been sitting there for now five years. <laughs> like this product has been chilling for five years with now at the time he had just became, he was a rookie in 2017. He's blowing up in 2018. So he's massively popular, you know? And then what do you know? It was just sitting there. So like in 2013, they would have opened that up and not even, thought twice about that card like you can go back and watch videos of people pulling mike trout cards and going hmm wonder if he's gonna be any good mispronouncing acuna's name whenever they pull his cards like that's like the fact that those moments exist are just gonna i feel like they're gonna get even crazier going forward because i guarantee you you can find some stuff of me uh hitting people that we didn't think were gonna be huge and now they're you know they're studs now you know yeah, so I, um, over the last couple of years, have been trying to inventory my entire collection, which I've learned is not a feasible uh, thing to do. Because, so just a quick guess, Banff, because uh, you know how often I buy into your breaks. Mm-hmm. How many cards do you think I personally have in this room right now? In the room? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll move out of the way so you can see some of... What I've got back there on the shelves. Two, three, four, five, six. The binders are also full. I'm gonna guess like fifteen thousand, twenty thousand cards. Forty, because this is only 40. like a third of what I've got. Nothing. But yeah, yeah I guarantee nothing. when I go through there, there's <clears throat> stuff that you don't even know is there. Like yeah, and then like and then nowadays like people back whenever I was collecting. You collected pretty much, I mean, you collected full sets and then you had an area for where like the people you liked and then you put those people you really loved in binders or top loaders. And then the cards you really, really love, you put in screw downs. I know these kids aren't going to know what screw downs are, but it's literally a plastic case with four screws in the corners. And they started out with no indention for the card. So these plastic would just smash this card. You're saying, <laughs> I think it in the place. And I think I have like, one. You know what? We should probably put an indention. And then, of course, it has evolved into the magnetic uh, cases that we have today that are, you know, much more. Because now the size of the cards are crazy. Like you have 35, 55, 75, all the way up to like 270 point, you know? And so, like, the way that you store your cards has evolved and the way that people collect, people don't even care about base cards anymore. But, like, that was a thing. Like, we would make master sets and then. You know, and then we would have everything else that we personally collected, you know, and like I would have like I, I still probably at my, at my at my dad's house have a the full 88 tops, the full 89 tops, the full 90 tops, you know, stuff like that that are just in boxes labeled. And, and that was it. But like nowadays, people don't collect that. Like, they're like, how do I get rid of this? What do you do with your bulk? Do I do I throw this away? Do I I mean, donating it is by far the best thing to do. Like if you have cards, you don't want to just find a place that you can donate it somewhere. That's the best thing to do because getting kids collecting early is fun, you know. I was gonna say the local boys and girls clubs are always really good for that. Yep. So, 
my, my um, dad, um, whenever he was uh, back uh, working, he had an auto shop, and then he just had um, we we would put them in team bags, random cards and team bags, and we would just leave stacks of cards, and people would just come up and take them, and then then you had grandparents coming in getting their cards fixed. I'm like, oh my my kids love these, and just take them all home to the kids. So cool. yeah, I hope I hope some kids somewhere are collecting base cards. That's oh, that's hundred percent. Yeah. And and I also hope that I screwed up and put bangers in those packs that they go, holy crap, I just have this card. I remember that uh so you've heard Banff packs, you've heard me say Banff packs, and I would I would kind of bring those back every now and then, right, Mason? Mm-hmm. Like way back when they first started, it was three hits. And it was either three hits or two hits in a pack. And I still remember to this day having just a pack of Prism from 1718 in one of my band packs and we opened it up and it was uh like a silver luca rookie from the pack and it was just like that was free <laughs> somebody just got that for free like like, like like things like that like i i guarantee you that i wasn't you know sorting like crazy to make sure that those those extra free packs that I packed up for kids weren't, you know, completely scarce of any potential. I'm pretty sure that they've had crazy potential, you know? So that's all. Well, somebody got a good card. Anymore. I go into the card shop up here and like most of the people that know anything about anything are the like eight to 12 year old kids. Oh. Like they're in there and there's kids that are in there making trades of thousand dollar cards and knowing what they're doing. And I'm over here trying to trade a $30 card and I have no idea what's happening. Hey, bro, I've, I've I've seen those kids at, at card shows wheeling and dealing thousand dollar deals. That's wild, man. That is that's insane to me. Yeah, it's nuts. I was over worried about trying to get a hundred dollar card back whenever I was collecting. Like I thought that the eighty nine rookie King Griffey being a hundred bucks was just like, oh man, if I can only get this freaking card. <laughs> you know that was crazy to me. So uh, you mentioned the 88-89 complete sets, and it got me thinking the the first like big box that I opened after Gautam actually got me into the hobby, which is the funny part. Nice. So he bought uh, 2019 um, Topps Holiday, and we opened that together for Christmas one year because he and I used to be roommates. Um, So we did that, and then he moved out during COVID, and I started just going bonkers on cards and i found a sealed box of 19 of 1989 um so i opened that and then i opened another box of it and it was cheap it was dirt cheap because it was the but that was kind of like the first time that i had put together a full set and then just kind of went down the rabbit hole and now i have forty thousand cards but what was the first set or the first, yeah, the first set of cards that really spoke to you and you kind of went, okay, this is my thing. So the first set I ever got was 88 tops. My mom bought that as a first complete set. That was the way that she started me collecting. And, um, after that, me and my dad got into basketball more. Cause I was already into basketball. Like, like I watched baseball didn't really watch much football growing up, but I was extremely into basketball growing up in the nineties. So I think the first set that like, really made me know that i was like like this was my thing was when we were collecting it was 92 93 upper deck and that was uh shaquille o'neal's rookie year and his rookie card was a redemption so we were just going around trying to pull his actual rookie card and so like you know trying to pull redemption to send into upper deck just to send us a card no it wasn't autographed they just hadn't you know produced it yet 
and it, it was just like him dunking in some kind of warehouse or whatever, but it was a cool looking card. And so that chase right there of doing that, that was kind of like the first big thing. And then um, I remember another one, I think it was either the same year or the year after Fleer Ultra Baseball. Uh, they like every year Fleer and Upper Deck would honor some either legend or some super, you know, popular player. And that year it was Tony Gwynn. And that was when I pulled my first autograph. Like autographs were super rare back then. They almost didn't exist. Like now you have boxes that are guaranteed three autographs per. This is like, hey, this autograph is one in 7,200 packs. <laughs> and so it was an on-card autograph of Tony Gwynn. So those two like always stick in my mind of like that was kind of me starting the fire. And then after that, I just did, I went crazy with basketball. I mean, followed draft classes. 96, 97 is probably the funnest year of collecting whenever I was a kid because of how many people I loved in that draft class and how deep it was and how many uh, uh, players there were to collect. And so, yeah, man, just ever since then, I was hooked, bro. Nice. Gal, you got any other questions for, for Banff? Oh, no. I, I think uh, this has been awesome. Like, I learned a lot, and uh, I really had no idea that they're making cards uh, of 12-year-olds that are autographed. Bro, it's wild, man. It is. I, it's I got to show you the Jason Dominguez Martian card. Yes, Dominguez. They've been, they've been putting him in products since he was 15, too. Yeah. yeah and, then, and then, like, and they also to see the the uh, progression because like clearly that Juan Soto picture and the early Eloy pictures whenever he's super skinny and the Jason pictures it's like whenever he has literally no training it's just him playing baseball right and then you see them three or four years later after they've been through you know professional trainers and they fill out and they're just like totally different people it's crazy to, to watch the progression I mean we saw Jason Dominguez in September dude is jacked He's only twenty. Yeah, for a bit now, it's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's only been four years, and he went from being this really skinny little kid that his helmet was so big that he looked like a Martian, and that's how he got his nickname. Right, and And now now, so big they can't fit in the jersey. It's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely not how he got his nickname, but uh, yeah, it's part of it. (laughs) How did he get his nickname? I think it was just that his talents were otherworldly, and um, basically that that kind of idea. Yeah. yeah, but that picture was definitely part of it too, because oh, that yeah. was whenever the uh, 2020 Bowman, uh, yeah, it was 2020 Bowman, not not Bowman draft, right? Yeah, it was yeah, yeah 2020 Bowman, and then they had the Bowman first and everything and stuff like that. Yeah, when his Bowman first came out, that was the first thing that someone said when they pulled his card. They go, "He looks like a Martian," and then they just moved on. And then so it, I think it might be a twofold nickname. It just happened to work out really well. Right. So. But all right. So, uh, Banff, thank you very much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it, bud. You want to go ahead and shout out your channel and uh, kind of your schedule so that if people want to go and check you out, they can. Yep. Um, we go live on twitch.tv slash Banff Breakers every Friday, Sunday and Tuesday now. And um, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We've got a TikTok. We're going to get back into that. And uh, yeah, and then go to bandfreakers.com. You can get links to our Discord and all of our other socials and join the community, hang out, and have fun. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you back here on Thursday for This Week in Baseball.
you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. If you enjoy card collecting, check out our sister YouTube channel at Getaway Day Cards.